Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Wow. Come on, give them a big hand for, for their hard work. Praise be to God. Woo! Glory to God. Aren't you glad you can come to the house of God? Everyone stand with me. Aren't you glad you can come to the house of God and express, and express your emotions? Amen? Wow. Hallelujah. I feel good like a Christian should. Amen. I'm preaching on the subject today. It is morning. It is morning. Now, I am saying M-O-R-N-I-N-G. I want this to be a day that we understand that we've been in the valley long enough. It's time to move out the valley. Psalms chapter 30 and verse five. Listen to this. For his anger endureth but a moment and his favor is life. Now listen to the second part. This is the part that I'm preaching from. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's morning. It's morning. If it's morning, we have a promise that joy comes in the morning. My goodness, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Father God, do something that only you can do, I pray. I pray that you'd give us joy unspeakable and that full of glory. And as the word says, and the half has never yet been told. I pray that we'd get so joyful that when people try to inquire that we do not even have words to express how we really feel. We just try to tell how good you are. And Lord, I pray that you would receive honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. The word joy, the definition of it is this. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Now I want to make a, a, difference, a difference here in joy and happiness. If you look that up, joy and happiness are different. Happiness is an emotion. Happiness can be had temporarily. But joy is something that becomes a part of who you are. That's why 
when you're going through your deepest battle, there is something inside that lets you know it's going to be okay. You might not be happy about it, but you know it's going to be okay. I want you to turn to someone and confess right now it's going to be okay. Because it's morning. And joy comes in the morning. Now, I looked up some of the things that I, I labeled them as joy zappers. Now, I told you that I am a gadget guy. So I went to a store and they had a special going on electric fly swatters. Any of you have one? Yeah. All right. You put the battery in there and you zap the flies joy right out of them. <laughs> I have had more fun with that 399 fly swatter. I'll see a fly instead of it being a nuisance. I go, I got something for you. When they fly into it, or when I swat and get it, I hear, zzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
in the future never happens. 85% of what we fear in the future never happens. Of the 15% that does happen, the people who went through that said that 79% of those people said what they had feared was much easier to get through than what they had been fearing. Do you understand fear is a crippler? Do you understand that tomorrow is in God's hands if you'll allow God to guide you and to direct you? Don't let the fear of the future zap you. Prayerlessness. There's a lot of folks that do not have joy because they don't have a prayer life. There's an old hymn that I love, and hopefully you know it. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I was talking to someone yesterday, and, uh, and we were sharing how, how difficult it must be for people to go through life and face the problems of life without having Jesus in their life. Prayer is an important part, and this is a good time for me to plug this. On Tuesday night, we have the Hedge Prayer Service. We have a wonderful time of communing with God and I encourage you to be here at seven o'clock on Tuesday. Can someone say amen? amen? Now listen to the third one, fourth one rather, attachment to circumstances. <clears throat> the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, not circumstances. We get attached to circumstances. We get attached to the problem instead of attached to looking unto Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Negative self-talk. Negative self-talk. There's a lot of people who talk very negative to themselves and about themselves. Come on now. I, I have literally told people, I refuse to listen to you talk bad about yourself. Now, you don't have to talk bad about yourself. Others will take care of that for you. Amen. I, one of the most positive people I ever met was a little guy. He was about 10 years old, and, and he was into karate, and, and he, he was really like a phenom into karate at that age. And, and, and Jackie and I, um, and Julia, we, we said, ride with us to the restaurant because his family was going on a Sunday afternoon. And, and so I was just making conversation with this little fella and he, he was confident. And I said, man, I'll tell you what, you're, you're amazing in, in karate. I said, maybe one day I can be as good as you. And that little fella, he, he looked at me and he said, if you practice real hard. I mean, if you really practice real hard. No, you'll never be as good as me. <laughs> you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, great day, you're blessed and highly favored. 
I, I pronounce blessings over you. I believe that God is going to give us a good day. Amen. Listen, some people, all they can ever talk about is negativity to themselves. Your reflection don't even want to reflect you because it's tired of hearing the negatives. Come on, you're good. You're made in the image of God. You're special. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has ordained you and you are somebody special. And thank God it's morning because joy comes in the morning. See, not keeping God's word, or pardon me, not keeping your word is a zapper. See, when you, when you lie, you have to try to remember all your lies. But then you might say, well, preacher, I, I, I just get too busy. Then call someone up and say, I got too busy. But keep your commitments. If you've made commitments, people are relying on you. And what happens is you overload yourself. And if you overload yourself, here's what happens. You put yourself under pressure and then it zaps your joy and it zaps your victory. Some years ago, it's been a long time now, but I, I had agreed, I had about four things already on my docket on a Saturday and some people needed to uh, help moving. And they came up to me and I said, yeah, I'll be there. And, and I walked away and Jackie said, why'd you do that? I said, well, they need help. And she said, you know, there is no way for you to meet that commitment. You're loaded. I said, I'll find a way. And she said, there is not enough time for you to do it. And I learned a lesson that day. Because if I'm speaking it, I need to try to fulfill it. And there's no shame in saying my calendar is full. Come on. Approval seeking. Approval seeking. Now, let, let's think about that. Um, is it Emerald? That is the great cook. Stand up. Julia, you, you've seen my cooking and if you cook the dish would you prefer my approval or Emeril's approval Ooh, well Emeril because he's a professional but I'd go for both <laughs> there you go that, that's good if I'm if, if you were racing in a, in a car, would you want my approval or Dale Earnhardt's approval? Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt. We often try to get approval from people that they don't know any more than what we do. And we're comparing ourselves and we put ourselves and it zaps you because you've gone to someone. Have you ever met that person that knows everything? And, and for whatever reason, we try to get their approval and then walk away and go, there's no way they know everything. 
Look here. Get God's approval and let the rest go where they go. Come on. Get God's approval. God doesn't zap you. Get the, the approval of God and life gets good. And then gossip. Now, let, let's just get real. Um, gossip makes you feel dirty. Even, even if it's juicy gossip. You've probably heard this one before, but I'll just go ahead and share it. There were three preachers out, and they were fishing, and they were trying to be uh, transparent with each other. And, and they said, let's just share our weakness and pray for each other. And one said, I, I have a real problem. I, I, I've, I've been fooling around. I've been cheating on my wife, and, and, and I, I feel terrible about it. And I, uh, but, but I'm really trying to work through it. And the other one said, well, I, I've been stealing out of the offerings at church, and, and, and the money has gotten so much now that I, I don't even know how to confess it. I, I'm in a, in a, a real problem. And the other one, he just kept fishing. He didn't say anything. So they said, you don't have any weakness? You don't have any problem? He said, yeah, I do. They said, well, what is it? He said, I'm a compulsive gossip, and I cannot wait to get back to shore. <laughs> Come on. Gossip will make you feel dirty. So don't do it. Procrastination. You put it off, put it off, put it off, and instead of having one little job, now you got 20 little jobs that turn into a mountain, and, and, and then it zaps your victory, it zaps your joy. Y'all know I'm preaching, right? Yeah, because you keep kicking the can down the road, and finally you have to do something about it. You dread it. You dread the day that you have to deal with the mountain. But you feel so good when the mountain is removed. So quit procrastinating. And the last one is complaining. Complaining drains you of positive energy. It does when you complain. And, and I just want to tell you, I can complain about not having any money. And I've never seen money come into my pocket because I complained. I can, can complain about a flat tire. I can kick the tire. I can yell at it. And it doesn't reinflate. Come on. I can complain about my wife. And Lord, help me for doing that. Don't get quiet on me on that one. Uh-uh. Brother Philip, I need a little help from you here. Now, this is just thrown together and it's gonna sound thrown together. In Psalms 137, the psalmist was writing about a bad time in Israel. What, it, what had happened is they were in Babylonian captivity. And, uh, and the book of Psalms is a song book. And I somehow believe that this Psalms was a psalm where the people had lost their joy. Uh, in fact, 
they had been taken away captive and the people that carried them away required of them a song. So it might have gone something like this. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. We hung our hearts on the willow tree. For they that carried, they carried us away captive in a strange land. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. There we wept. Oh, yes, we wept. How can we sing a song? Sing a song in a strange land. Strange land. And there's a lot of people that get happy about the blues. <laughs> Come on. Today is our day to say it is morning. I don't have to sing the blues anymore. I want to tell you the rest of the story. Because they hung their harps on the willow tree. But there was a time that God delivered them out of Babylonian captivity and they were able to walk out and God restored their song. God restored their joy, amen. Somebody here today needs to say, I'm not gonna hang my, ha my harp on the willow tree anymore. It's morning time and I believe that I can have joy. I'm tired of the zappers. I'm tired of the things that are draining me. Now hear this, Satan wants to rob you of your joy. Now, anything that he's wanting to rob you of, there is a reason. Why does he want you to lose your joy? Because the Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, if you look up that word in the, uh, in the, word, in the Hebrew, it says, uh, that it means a place of safety. So the scripture is saying the joy of the Lord is my place of safety. The joy of the Lord is my fortress, my rock, my defense, my protection, my refuge, my stronghold. Look here, if you just repeated that, when the devil came against you and said, whoa, 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 you trying to take my joy. Let me get my heart back down off of the willow tree and I've got a song to sing to you and let you know the joy of the Lord is my rock. The joy of the Lord is my fortress. The joy of the Lord is my defense. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord. When you start declaring the joy of the Lord, the devil will take a path away from you. Praise be to God. Now the psalmist said in Psalms 57 and verse 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Now David had not lost his place with God. He had lost his joy. And I think there's a lot of Christians that they don't know where their joy is. Uh, David had lost his joy possibly because of all the battles and, and life itself and the failures of things and it zapped him. 
God help someone to hear what I'm preaching today. I want to tell you, Elijah, the great man of God, listen to this story. Elijah, he says it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain again. He had enough power with God to shut the heavens up. He, he, he was the same guy that said, let's make a sacrifice. And he prayed a prayer and God brought fire down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. But life made a bad turn for him. And there was a woman by the name of Jezebel and Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. You've killed these 450 prophets and I'm going to do the same thing to you. And in two chapters, or one chapter over in 1 Kings, Elijah is praying in chapter 19, verse 4. Lord, take my life. How do you go from praying fire down how do you go from shutting the heavens up to saying, God, take my life? Because life happens. And somehow he got his eyes off of the God that sent the fire. Somehow he got his eyes off of the God that shut the heavens. And he got his eyes on his own problem and it zapped him of his joy. He listened to a devil named Jezebel rather than listening to a God that was able to keep that which was committed unto him. Someone needed to grab hold of that right there. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. Listen, whatever you're going through is not bigger than God. Whoever is attacking you is not bigger than God. It might be your boss. It might be your neighbor. It might be your family. It might be your wife, your husband, whatever the case may be. They are not bigger than the God that you serve. Someone needs to say amen right there. Oh, my I, I, I want you to hear me. Wednesday night, I brought out something like this. There are zappers that happen. Listen to me. This is a word from God today. I, I need you to grab hold. Someone needs to hear that there's joy. You don't have to live in your misery. But in America, we get caught in the American dream. In America, we get caught in trying to keep up with everyone uh, and, and we get zapped. Listen, you're in high school. You have dreams. You have hopes. You work hard. You graduate. Oh, glory to God. Now I've got my future ahead of me and everything is going to be wonderful. And so what you do, you go to college. That's good. We get into college and listen to this. According to statistics I looked up for this sermon right here, that only um, let me read it right. Scholarships, people who apply for scholarships in America, 0.3% get enough to cover the full cost of attendance to a college. 0.3%. 
Not 3%, 0.3%. Of athletes, 2% of athletes will win scholarships to NCAA colleges and less than, uh, and, and will get less than the average, which is $11,000. So even if they get scholarships, it's less than the average. Here's my point. So you go to college and you start taking out student loans. Or either the family starts finding a way because most people do not plan ahead for college. All right? So now you're under the gun because you've got student loans, but you're having a good time for all seven years that you are in college. <laughs> then you get out. And they give you this light, nice little notice to let you know that it will be paid. And I will tell you, they do not negotiate. But then, uh, now you start a, a, a new life and you get married. Glory to God, things are going to be better. We both have debt. We both have college. We both have now a house payment. And, and so what happens is you go from that into trying to buy a home. And it can't be just any home because I can't have just any kind of home because I've been by Brother Philip's home and my home's got to be as nice as Brother Philip's home because what will people think if I don't have as nice a home as him? I can't afford it, but I've got to have it. And so what happens is we put the pressure on us some more. Y'all work with me here. But, but not only that, you've got to have the right car parked out front. Not the kind you can afford. You have to have the kind that people go, whoa, man, they must be killing it. They must really be making it. And what happens is now you've got a nice house payment that really is more than what you can afford. And you also have more car than you can afford. But also you gotta have something to relax. So you gotta have a boat. I'm under pressure. So I gotta have a boat. Can't afford it. But you get the boat. And then you get the clothes. And you can't wear just any old clothes. You've got to have the kind that they show on television. And you've got to go to the store that inflates their prices and so that you can say, I got it from this place. And then, praise God, the blessing of children come. You only thought you couldn't afford those things. Now children come along and, and they come to you and they say, I've got to have tennis shoes. Oh, that's a good thing. And, and, but you couldn't go to Walmart, Lord help. You go to Walmart. That is like standing up and cursing your children. Uh-huh. And, and it just can't be Nikes. It has to be the the... The super duper Nikes. And then you get them into sports. And you have to buy the child that is playing t-ball a $125 bat. Yeah. Plus the designer shoes with the right label on the side of it 
the child's out there playing in the dirt. He doesn't even know that ball is happening. But, but we're able to say, we've got it covered. Listen, I'm saying we. Because we get caught into the trap and what happens is our joy gets taken away. Now, you're not working because you want to. You're working because you have to. You're working because you're afraid you're going to lose everything you have. Look here. Let's not just talk about ball. Let's talk about dance and, and cheerleading and, and then, Lord help, uh, whatever else they come up with. I, 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 now, I am going to get on the soapbox right here. Right here, I'm on it. Yeah. Used to be that the school system would work for around the church's schedule on Wednesday. Now the church has to work around everything. Let me say that again. Church has to work around everything. Look here. If it comes time to be in church, boy, this isn't good. Lord, okay. If it comes time to be in church, if you can find any, look here, if you're so busy that your children are not in church, don't complain when they're not in church when they get grown. Amen. Look here, I'm a ballaholic. When Julia was growing up, there wasn't any free days. We had her in everything we could get her in. But when it came time for church, church was a premium. Come on now. Oh boy, man. Well, I won't be back to this church, that preacher. That preacher preaches like we ought to go to church regular. Well, let me go ahead and stay on my soapbox. Average church attendance when, when consistent church attendance, if you would have asked me this question, I would have told you every time the doors is open unless you're sick or on vacation or having to work. That's consistent church. But statistically, it had dropped to two out of four Sundays you were considered a consistent church attender. But that dropped. And now, what America considers being consistent church attenders is if you attend church two out of eight Sundays, you're considered consistent in, in American churches. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And even the more as you see that day approaching, I think that we're failing in that area across America. Would you agree? Amen. And you might say, preacher, you've been successful. You zap my joy. You just slap me right between the eyes. I'm not here slapping anyone. I'm here today to say that we get ourselves under pressure. And you know what little Johnny and little Susie want? I, I can preach this because I had it wrong. It's 12.06. I'm going to try to close this in four minutes. I had it wrong. When I was at my first church, I was working a job, pastoring the church, and I was providing money for my wife and my daughter. And if Julia had events, I was working. 
I was trying to do something with the church. They would come home and tell me about the event. I missed a lot of her events. I, I, I missed a lot of joy that I can't carry other than a picture because I had it wrong. All the time I was thinking I was doing my part because I was bringing home the money. You know what children want? They want daddy. They want mama. They want to be able to hear them say, you did a good job. They don't care if they hit a home run. They don't care if they did a flip the right way. They want to know that mama and daddy love them and care for them. And, and let's start getting things right so the joy of the Lord can be in our lives. We can't have joy because we can't sit still that long because we got to work, 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 work because we put ourselves under the pressure. Everyone stand with me. I told you I was going to stop and I've got three more minutes. Here's what I want to share with you. Joy cannot be boiled out. John the Revelator was taken according to tradition and they put him in boiling oil and he, he lived through it. And, and then since he lived through the boiling oil experience, they put him on an island called the Isle of Patmos and that's where he received the revelation. And he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Holy Spirit, one of the fruit of the spirit is joy. John was probably testifying and saying, they boiled me, but it didn't take my joy. Come on. Paul and Silas, they were in jail. And at midnight, Paul, I don't know, but he might have just looked over and said, Hey, Silas, joy comes in the morning. It's 12 midnight. The definition is from midnight until daybreak is considered morning. All right? Hey! It's morning. How about let's sing a song. They were able to lock them up in the flesh, but they couldn't lock up their joy. And the children of Israel, now this is the last point, but I need you to really listen very carefully. The children of Israel were told, you do the Passover, and if you remember, they were supposed to put the blood on the doorpost. And then, it said, in the morning, we're going to leave. But before you leave, you go around, and you start borrowing from your neighbors. They were borrowing from the Egyptians. Now, it's kind of like this. Do you mind if I had that pretty necklace you've got on? And the Bible says they were brought in favor with the Egyptians. Yeah, I'll give you the necklace. Thank you. Hey, I see you got some good looking earrings on. Would you mind 
sharing the earrings. They just went from door to door taking up an offering. I see you've got some silver. I'm going to need a little silver. Would you mind? I like your clothes. And, and they, they left there with silver, with gold, with clothing. And so when they walked out, they didn't just walk out. They walked out full. They walked out full. Wow, I feel some of that full right now. And some of you have been carrying the load so long. You haven't had joy in so long that if you smiled, your wife would wonder what's wrong with you. You know that's true. You ever seen people that they age like this? That's from years of pressure. You don't feel good? Feel fine. You happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Why you ask? Come on. I want us to be people that people always, when we walk by going, there ain't nobody that happy. Say, you're right. But I've got the joy. I've got the joy. I've got the joy of the Lord. I've got the joy. My Lord God. I've got the joy of the Lord. I've got the joy of the Lord and it's my strength. Father God, I rebuke every demon of hell that has attacked the good people of this church. I rebuke every effort of the enemy that has tried. I pray, dear God, that today every, every demon will have to flee. The bondage, <laughs> oh God, the bondage of fear, the bondage of my past, the bondage of fear of the future will flee from me that I'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, I pray right now that you would minister, break every chain, break every chain. I pray that you'd break every chain in Jesus' name right now. Lord, it's morning. It's morning and you said weeping may endure for a night, but joy, 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 joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need my prayer partners to come up, my prayer altar workers. I'll get it right in a minute. I need my altar workers to come up. Listen, if you've got to go, I understand it's 12:14. But here's what I'm asking you to do. If there's any way, if there's any way that you could make it to this altar. You know you better than anyone else. I believe God's already opened up his big window. And I believe he's got joy that he's ready to pour out. 
and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation is what David cried. God, right now I pray that you'd break every bond, every chain. I pray that you'd break every hindrance that would keep someone from receiving their deliverance and their happiness and their joy this morning. You may have been going through a tough marriage problem. You may have been going through a tough job problem. Whatever that, I'm not gonna try to list them all out. Everyone has something different, but today, today God has the answer. I want you to make your way. I, every person that would, every person that would, would you make your way right now? Come on. Don't hesitate. Don't even think about it. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm just going to move. I'm going to make a move right here. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to get my joy back. I am going to get my joy back. I once was happy all the time. I once was shouting and giving the glory to God. But life has zapped me. Life has zapped me. And I'm not going to let life be that way anymore. I'm going to have something deep. I'm going to have something real. My Lord God. My Lord God. Listen. Oh, my gracious. You, my, my Lord, God. Right now, right now, right now, I want you to just, whew, God, help us right now. Listen, I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want to follow his leading. I want to follow his direction. I want you right now to surrender your past. Surrender your future. I want you to come in right now and say, Lord, I might not have done things right. I might not have done it the right way. But I'm just asking you to help me get it right starting now. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. In Jesus' name, I want y'all to start singing. And while they're singing, I want you to lift up holy hands. Now, here's something I want you to do. I want you to start speaking it. Start speaking it to yourself. I am an overcomer. I am victorious. I will win. I am going to have my joy. I am going to be blessed. I am. I am. Go ahead and start declaring and speak words over yourself right now. Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.